the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rents, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Let's just start out with a happy Thanksgiving to all our listeners. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy your turkey. Uh, enjoy the day off. Give thanks, etc. All of the above, indeed. I think uh, I would encourage people to enjoy, enjoy their pie. I'm more, more about the, I'm more about the desserts, I think, than the main course. Than the bird. Sure. Got it. It's fair. I like to try and, you know, like to try and mix up the sides, get something clever, unique in there. Have you taken a look at this first This Wall Street Journal article about uh, what happens if SAT scores consider adversity? Is there no paywall in the U.S.? Or are we inside the paywall? Aha! Um, I don't know. Wherever I was able to find that article link, I'm able to access it. Uh, that, art- that article link is not is There's a tantalizing amount available to me because it makes me think that I can look up a school. This is kind of a silly premise. Well, no, this is just like the most basic regression. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all it is. With data that people know and understand outside of the Midwest because they do the ACT. <laughs> we could we could probably run this regression on the ACT, but yeah. I so the the whole premise is to look at the distribution of scores per school, which you hope are Gaussian, and then see how the mean of the Gaussian shifts as a function of schools. The thing that's crazy to me is that looking at this, the lowest schools on here, their best test scores are the low end of the best schools. Right. That's, um, that's the idea. Nuts. Yeah, I know. I no, I I understand the idea. I think that's like a data space that I never thought about, and that's probably the point of the article. It's like you never thought about this. Like, yeah, the median SAT score is the me- the median SAT score for the people with the least adversity is basically below people with the least adversity. The median SAT score is below their distribution, whereas, as you're saying, highest adversity it is above at the high end here though it doesn't it doesn't look like this is going to be well fit by a gaussian there's a there's some schools out here i mean the one that they highlight the high technology school in new jersey there's there's some schools here where the median is like is 1500 that is insane yeah (laughs) like only a handful but still but still it doesn't. Yeah, anything that's above fifteen hundred is 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 silly because you're not getting a, a you're not getting a very good representation of the student body. I would say. No this this whole thing is this whole thing is very interesting. It makes me in favor of just you know regress everything, always regress mm-hmm. it, just see what happens. All right, today on the pod, 
I'm going to walk Eric through a little bit of the tuning aspect of projections, figure out what exactly we need from tuning to put into the paper, and then we'll get a little bit of a writing update and figure out where we are going to push this thing over the finish line. So here we go. All right, Eric, last week, three plots. This week, four plots. Nice. These are pretty straightforward. All I'm doing is looking at the effect of changing different prefactors. So we have a number of knobs that we can twiddle over the, in this model. And this is twiddling after you've done the clusters. So let's say, in the previous weeks, let's say you've decided n equals 12 clusters for hitters. Great. Now, how do we turn those clusters into projections? Well, we look at how far individual hitters are from the center of clusters, and we apply some regression to figure out where we think a where we think they would have what stats they would have realized given ten thousand seasons or something. But we don't know exactly what the regression factor should be. That's step one. Step two is that we are also deciding over the past four years how much we should consider the track record in each season. And we need to weight each one of those years and decide what amount of the contribution we're going to take from them. So this discussion is based on those two things, deciding between more regression and less regression, and deciding between a recency bias and a historical bias. Let's start with more versus less regression. What do you think of this plot? I gave you two different projections for runs for the guys that we talked about last week. So again, this is this is everybody that we've reviewed this year. So ostensibly, we should be pretty familiar with these guys, at least on some level. Two different regression factors. One where I was really regress, really aggressive with the regression, and one where I was re, where I was not aggressive at all with the regression. And if you do want to zoom all the way in, it does have their names on it, but that's not the important part of this plot. <laughs> I was just realizing that those are names and not just data things. So how do I read this? Because they're following a y equals x pretty closely. Well, that's, I mean, it would be worrisome from the purpose of can we make projections at all? if this didn't follow y versus x with some dispersion. So this is trying to so this is this is two models, right? This is the number of runs and all you want to see is whether the deviations from the model make sense. And I I think they do because basically what you're seeing is that if you apply more regression, meaning you say that seasons are more likely than not to be outliers. So individual realizations of players are more likely than not to be outliers, meaning we're really confident that the clusters are true representations of the, the qualities of individual players. Then we can try and save. Uh, then we would apply more regression. So let me tell you the player that sits the furthest off this line whose run total comes up the most, increases based on the, based on the inclusion of regression. It's Adam Eaton. Mm. It makes sense. Second one is George Springer. Okay. Guys that benefit from guys that benefit from regression, and then Christian Yelich. So okay, so 
you're, okay, removing removing outliers, basically. Yeah, so it's all about how aggressively you remove outliers. So if you think if you think Christian Yelich's last year is an outlier, then and you regress him more strongly back to whatever mean, then that's actually that's actually overall helpful because if you don't treat it like an outlier, then uh, it, it's sort of counterintuitive because if you if you don't treat it like an outlier, then that gets taken into account and the model wants to know if he can possibly reproduce that level. If you take Christian Yelich's last year and you say, okay, line through it. maybe that's yep. a little bit of an outlier, then it's more likely then it's more likely to say, okay, they can he can achieve something at he can achieve something pretty high. So. So this actually, in some ways, works works a little bit counterintuitive, and I think it's also pretty obvious. The other one that I put together was um, home runs, more and less obvious. And there, Christian Yelich is way off the line, and that's because the models generally don't think that his last year is completely re- is reproducible. So this doesn't say anything about whether it's legit or not. This is what they realized. The question: This is what they did. The question is. Is will it, they do that again? Yeah. Will they do that again? And so, if you don't apply any, if you don't apply any regression or strong regression, then the model says no way. <laughs> There's no way they can they can do that again. But if you if you say okay, actually, I think that was an outlier, then the model is more likely to say they can achieve something. They can achieve something more in that ballpark. Hunter Renfro up there too. Yeah, of course. That sounds about right. Yeah. Cody Bellinger is another another one that benefits from this. Who's someone that gets hurt by this? Jackie Bradley Jr. He needs his he needs his last year to be an outlier. <laughs> right, there got to be a lot of players that way who were hurt. Like what Encarnacion if you before the age factor has got to be sure. hurt by this. Sure. So I think my question to you is this is a this is whatever academic pursuit we need to say something in the paper about how we picked the regression factors. To me, and I think you hit upon this right away, this isn't super sensitive to the regression factors. And I put the error bars on here, and most of the regression factor is eaten by the error bar. Is eaten. Adam, Adam eaten, eaten by the error bar. Yeah, Adam sorry. eaten by the error bar. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, subsumed <laughs> by yes. the error bars on here. So mostly what you see is that with the regression factors, we might move the we might move the actual prediction that we're putting in for individual individual guys, but we're not really moving the band that they're in too much. Yeah, I mean, I think that it looks like the error band is tighter with less regression. Is that that's yes. what it looks like? That's right. That's right. Yeah, because the so let's the, go with that. Well, well, at least that's for runs. Home runs, it doesn't. I. That seems to be. That seems to be true as well. Because we want to tighten up the error bars. Like we don't want to be. We were talking about this, and maybe we were looking at the wrong thing. But we were talking about batting average of like, it, it like okay, the person's going to bat two fifty five with an error of twenty five percent. It's like okay, okay well, that's <laughs> a huge difference between someone who's batting two thirty and. Someone who is batting um, 280, right? Because right, the thing that we don't want to lose track of is that we're actually trying to make informative 
error bars. The reason to provide error bars is to be informative about realistic outcomes. Yes. Yes, it is. The point is to get realistic error bars. I concur. However, we do also want, we have these, we're zeroing in on creating information that is as informative as possible. Yes, we want to have error bars, but that are informative and as small as possible, and we want them to be as accurate as possible. Yeah. Small as possible is a little bit of a challenge. I mean, we're just we're just out here trying to be realistic. Small as possible, I'm not saying small. Well, let me talk about the other side of this, which is the the recency bias versus historical bias. So we have we have a factor in there that looks at that says what should how much how important are is each of the last four seasons in terms of predicting the future season. And this is where you get the massive swings. And mostly they make sense. And I'm worried that we should be looking at that I should have been doing this with even more recency bias than I'd been doing in the past. Okay. So recency bias in this case means that that 65% of our prediction considerations are from last year. And then I did 65% and then 30% of our considerations are from two years ago and then 2.5% from each of the seasons before that. So really low weighting. The historical bias, I said 40% of the contributions from last year, 30%, uh, 40% from last year, 40% from two years ago, 10% from each of the years before that. And that makes a big difference big difference. And for this, I chose to look at runs and I chose to look at stolen bases. In runs, you immediately see that the guys that we talked about last week that were a problem for us, aka the guys that only played last year, we have really fixed them with recency bias. Yeah, I mean, I think that we should recency bias, but but wait, so what um, if we're saying that a regression... Less regression means that we're spitting out more outliers, right? That's right. And so recency bias, I think that those in tandem, that makes sense. So the idea is that if last year was an outlier, positive or negative, but we still have a recency bias weighted in there, yeah, I think the effect is it'll boost the it'll boost the guys with low track record, but it will also boost their error bars. I'm fine with that. Which is what we want. Which is what we want because or their it's I true. Should, I should say their uncertainty bands because we don't know their uncertainty is really high. So we want to pick prefactors that accurately represent guys who played last year. Like we're not going to forecast Alex Verdugo for 20 runs, which is what our model was doing under historical bias standards, where we'll actually forecast him for 60, which is the difference that we're seeing. And so then they're in, then they come into the meat of the distribution. Okay, I think slight, that makes total sense. My slight fear is that basically everything is elevated with recency bias, in part because, well, maybe it's not a fear, in part because of how offense changed even over the past four years. But that's, I mean, that's part of why I think it is important because okay. if we have a ball change. If we have a ball change in, you know, 
in the last three years and another ball change, like we want to have as much within the current paradigm as possible. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. I'm, I am good with that. And when, when night- were pitchers good still, was that like 20, 2012 <laughs> yeah. and the yeah, hitters couldn't hit? Yeah, that's about it. I, uh, so I think I'm also bolstered because the stolen bases make sense in this because basically no, I, they don't make sense. Well, I, I want none of these. I I want none of the models to strongly rock the stolen bases. <laughs> like oh, stolen which bases they could. are small yeah. number statistics, and if you start to play with them, if you I think that how much you can move the weights around and the prefactors is reflected is constrained by stolen bases because if you move them too much, you'll just get no constraints on the small number statistics of stolen bases. And that's not what we're looking for. You can already see that we've basically blown up the errors to the to the maximum, whereas meaning essentially that everybody that we forecast for less than 10 stolen bases, we wouldn't be too surprised if they got zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's basically for everyone below 10... Zero is a two sigma result, meaning it can happen. <laughs> like it will Oops, happen. Of course, it will, it will happen, happen for a third of these nine. guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do we want that? Do we want that to really be one stolen bases or that? I mean, we can we can always apply a floor, basically saying like, okay, if they stole a base in the past three years, you've got to forecast them for one. But again, is that helpful to to look at that? I mean, does is that is it? Is it really instructive for us to forecast anyone for less than 10 stolen bases? I would argue that that's not really meaningful because we're trying to make real constraints. Somebody who's stealing less than 10, they're going to get a handful, but you have no idea when, you have no idea how. Right. The floor does have to be zero. I I concur. Uh, there's no point in having an artificial one or two floor for people that have stolen base ever okay uh, this is coming along really well i think that's that's good so, so yes think, yeah recency bias and less regression okay well that's good i think we just talked through some really good stuff to put put into the paper so let's quick bat around uh some some thoughts on the on the on the writing and what 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 else we need to put what else we need to describe to put in there? I mean, I, I basically put these things together because I wanted us to have to do exactly what we just did, which was make a narrative around why we made some choices. Absolutely. And so that would be under model tuning. Which section do, do we say that we wanted model tuning to really be within? Well, I think model tuning needs to go... Needs to Prediction go and estimation. Yeah. Yeah, because, right. Player prediction and estimation, we, we talk about a lot of different pieces in there. And then model tuning has to be part of that. Yeah. But this to me, this to me was a key, is and was a key part of the model tuning. We want to, we want to understand when we turn knobs what they're doing. What they're doing, right. Yeah. Exactly. And, so, and, this, and I think that to make this paper appealing to a lot of people, we need to have the narrative, which is essentially, which is one way that you've been writing right now, which is really good, which is a narrative that somebody can read and understand immediately. And the then thought process, and yeah. And then we back it up with the explanatory numbers, and we can blow everyone away with data science jargon if that's what they really care about. 
Which we will have to retro as we like, you know, get down to that rough draft, and then we're just like, ooh, you know, what would be a great data science word to, to throw in here. Exactly. You know, we should do like a data science. We should make like a data science bingo card. That's that's not a bad idea. And start to just just dartboard throw those in there. Because yeah, I mean, the narrative is really good. The way that the way that we're sitting right now on the draft is is very narrative heavy. Thought process of how we got to individual places, and probably because I haven't produced a whole lot of numbers to write to, which is basically my goal for the next week. We're light on the quantitative stuff. Yeah, and dis- descriptions. And being light on quantitative makes it really hard to <laughs> to infuse the paper with data science words. It does make it harder, but you're right. I mean, I'm I am curious. We've seen some we've seen papers, right? We've read some of these papers, and some of the better ones are narrative driven with like specific with specific numbers. Um, I'm thinking the one that won in like 2017 was a basketball one that I, I, I quite liked. It was a much more simple project than like some of the ones that that I've seen where it's like they're trying to do like NBA defenses or, um, you know, throw in computational methods. Um yeah, I need to. I need to get to a point where I'm pushing you on on providing me numbers. That's really the point. I'll provide some numbers. It's it's all you know, agile. It's all feedback here. You know, well, I'll provide some numbers. You can tell me why they're crap, and then then I'll provide you new numbers, and we'll just go from there. <laughs> In place of the old ones, we will create new ones. Ah, well uh, said. I think that about brings us to the review session. Mike Trout. Before we get into the numbers, you asked a salient question last week, which was, why should we review Mike Trout? Do you feel any better about it after ruminating on some Mike Trout this week? About my assertion that there's, like, no reason to review Mike Trout? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you, I don't you know. Really... It's like saying how, like, let's review how wet the ocean is. <laughs> wet. Yes. I would say I would say it's more about like let's review the exact salinity level of the ocean. Right. But yes, yes. But in the context of like we're trying to find drinking water. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. Let me give you the numbers and then we'll get into it. Mike Trout was so nice to us last year and got exactly 600 plate appearances in 134 games. Look at that. He did he it. Is the picture of normalization. He did it. 45 home runs, 110 runs, 104 RBIs, 11 stolen bases, and a 291 average. There's a reason you do not need to think about your number one pick. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I mean, it would have been nice if he had more stolen bases, but... I, I, um, I'm curious, actually, what, what you think he'll do in the next year. I don't think that it'll be too far off those totals, especially if we're normalizing the 600 PA. Perfect. We predict 15 stolen bases for Mike Trout in 2020. I mean, you got to. He went from, oh, that's it. it must have spent some rehab time in 2017. Uh, in A, wow, A ball, not even in Salt Lake. Um, yeah, he's going to, he was, he stole 30, 22, 24, and then 11. 
I mean, he's, I think that he's going to go back to stealing some bases. And I think that team's going to be better, so he can steal some more bases. Actually, Though, if I apply, new manager. Yeah, I, new manager, but I think... I think the new manager is there to try and get maximum utilization out of the whole team. I think that the Joe Madden effect, without without any numbers, wild assertion, I think that that stolen base is going to be maximized next year. In the sense that, not not the highest that it's ever been, but I think it's going to be the highest level that Mike Trout, like current era age, Mike Trout can achieve. Which would be 50 to 20. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm yeah, I agree. So I think I think the environment is is perfectly right for him to do that. Um do we think the team is going to improve around him? Yes. Yes. Do we think that the improvement around him is going to be um for the betterment of his hitting stats or do we think that's just the betterment of his win percentage? I think that's complete betterment of of his win percentage. I mean, one thing that was amazing about this last year's campaign is that he managed to get to 104 RBIs. Second most of the year. Wouldn't it be great if he was third, though? Like, third with people that actually got on base ahead of him? Yeah. If if you, if even 10% of the time Mike Trout comes, 5% of the time Mike Trout comes up with guys on first and second or second and third, I mean, that's pretty good. And then Upton is cleanup, yeah. <laughs> you and your, just an Upton stand pod. <laughs> it will it will continue <laughs> so i guess i have come around to your viewpoint which was i didn't watch a lot of mike trout this year because why would i, I felt like i already knew him and uh, i watched mike trout this week and uh yep i knew mike trout yeah no reason to change the priors yep exactly as long as as long as that foot is really 100 percent, i have zero qualms about saying get him number one Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, if, if you are a huge Red Sox fan, go ahead and take Mookie first. Well, you know who you know who we probably should review this upcoming week? Let's review Mookie Betts. Again, kind of silly to review him, but there are a lot of questions. Uh, and I'll report from the ground on how uh, pessimistic people are keeping him here in New England. <laughs> All right. That'll be a fun discussion. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.